time and time again as I was traveling around the villages in the countryside these verses just kept coming back to me it was like I was living them that I was seeing Jesus working in this place anyway let's go back to the beginning um, Andy just reminded me um, of the even before I left this country of the struggle that was starting to happen even to get myself to India and I'll just tell you very briefly because this is really a testimony to or a, tes yes, a testimony to the power of prayer and to the power of people of the importance of people standing behind such a mission as this with prayer the weekend I was due to leave a thick fog this was before the snow by the way a thick blanket of fog descended over uh, most of central Scotland so thick I couldn't see to the end of my garden and I knew that 48 hours later I was supposed to catch a plane at 5 in the morning down to Heathrow to catch a plane to Kuwait and I knew that if I missed the, pl the flight to Kuwait which was at 10, 10.30 I was, I was, that was it, I couldn't go to India so I was very concerned about getting to Heathrow on time and it seemed unlikely that the flights would actually get me there so I used a little bit of, um, well I prayed a lot actually <laughs> and then I decided to book myself onto the night bus from Glasgow Buchanan bus station through the night down to Heathrow thinking well that will get me there in plenty of time but the enemy had other ideas and um, when we got to Carlisle the bus broke down at 12.30 midnight the bus was going nowhere in Carlisle and I knew I had a fairly short time frame and I knew how long it takes to go by road from Carlisle down to Heathrow well to cut a long story short we didn't get back on the road again until quarter to four in the morning and I was supposed to be checking in for my flight at eight o'clock and I was in Carlisle and Heathrow was at least six or seven hours by road away so sitting on the bus at that early hour in the morning I texted everybody I could think of who I knew would be on the prayer chain saying I don't know whether you're awake but when you do wake up start praying because you know this is trouble and um, one of my friends was awake she's a, a Salvation Army officer and she happened to be up late she'd been to India with me too she knew she, she had been on to India twice with me on teams and she was awake and she prayed with me right through the night by text we were texting each other where are you now where are you I remember looking at my watch when we were just south of Manchester and it was something like seven o'clock in the morning <laughs> and I had to be at Heathrow by eight eight thirty and I just remember sitting on that bus saying to myself and praying to God saying Lord I refuse to become anxious about this you are in control this is your mission I'm doing your work and um, so it's up to you to get me onto that plane and I remember praying our, um, Proverbs, 5, uh, Pro it? Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 where it says trust in the Lord with all your heart and lead not on your own understanding I tell you what if I lent on my own understanding at that moment you know I'd have given up and then it says uh, trust in the Lord and he will make your path straight so I prayed that as a prayer and then I said to the Lord I read in the Bible that you once stopped the sun for Joshua you stopped time for Joshua when he was in the middle of some battle or other so Lord I'm asking you to do that for me and I'm going to sleep and I went to sleep on that bus just south of Manchester at seven o'clock on my watch 
Then I woke up, it was daylight, it was getting to daylight, it was 7.30 and I was near Oxford. Explain that if you like. I just know that our God is a powerful God. I cannot explain it in the natural. Something happened that morning because I did get my plane and I got it just as they were closing the gate to, 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 to on, the, on the international flight. And I just said, thank you, Jesus. I knew you could do it. Anyway, there's a bit more to that story, but praise God. And that was through the prayer that was given and, and, and God's faithfulness. Anyway, let's get on with the journey. Did you like that? Isn't that wonderful? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Oh, I have to do this, don't I? Sorry, I'm looking around. So, what was the purpose? Can you see through me or do I need to stand back a bit? Can you all see now? Okay. The purpose of this trip, this was the number one, number one purpose, was to go and preach the gospel, the goodness of Jesus, to the most neglected and unreached people on this planet, the rural poor of India. In India, you probably know, because I've probably told you this before, only about 2% of the population are Christian and about three quarters of the population live in rural villages and have never heard the name of Jesus. So that's where we were going. That was the prime purpose of the visit. Now just to give you an idea of where I was, see if this thing works. That's where I flew into, that's Madras or Chennai. And then it was a nine hour train ride up to this area and this is the area where Sudhir has most of his ministry in Andhra Pradesh. Later on in the trip, we had another long train journey up to Orissa, but we'll come on to that in a moment. So you can see it's a big area that, um, that I was going to. Just to remind you, um, this is our ministry in partnership with Erie Ministries. Now, just a word of explanation, because Erie Ministries, we always used to call Harvest India. They've changed the name, that's all it is. Don't like the new name much, but um, we're working on that with Sudhir. <laughs> there are di the various organisational reasons for that, so now we must call it Erie Ministries. But it is Harvest, it's Harvest India as was. And you can see here, we, are, we, we have um, orphan homes, and we're opening up that now into day centres. I'll tell you about that. Um, the medical centres, wells, um, flood relief, mercy meals prostitutes, releasing prostitutes from bondage and something new for On Eagle's Wings now working among the persecuted Christians in Orissa so this is kind of developing all the time but first of all I thought you might be might be quite fun to just share with you what India is like at Christmas because I have no idea it's a Hindu majority country um, about 80% of the 80-90% of the people are Hindu. A lot of our, all a lot of the rest are Muslims in the area where I was, and very few are Christians. So I wasn't expecting to see much evidence of Christmas. Not so. Everywhere you went through the towns, there were these huge illuminated stars hanging from the lampposts across the streets on all the buildings lit up in all the small villages. And um, this decoration, this thing where, where it says um, Christ is born for all, that was a great big display in the street on Christmas Eve. They closed the streets, put up little fences and made these elaborate Christmas decorations on the road, designs in coloured salt. And the traffic just had to go round 
find the best way it could. They completely blocked the roads. Could you imagine that happening here? And we're supposed to be a Christian country. And of course Santa was, there wasn't a lot of Santa in India, but he was definitely around where children were. And um, he, he's a little bit different from Santa in, he, he's a, he has a different, be careful what I say, he, um, he, they don't get sacks of presents in India, the children. But what Santa does have, and he loves to give children sweets, and he's got a little satchel round his round his uh, jacket and he throws sweets to the children because that's what they expect. So there we are, a bit different from us. One of the things that Sudhir um, uh, got me to do, went with him, we had taken some funding with us for clothing, food, a kind of what we call the mercy ministry. So this was combined with Christmas celebrations and we went into, I counted them up, over the three weeks I was there, we actually went to something like 15 or 16 different communities to celebrate Christmas. Now we didn't do it all on Christmas Day because we couldn't have done. <laughs> um, and we would go into a, a community or a village in the evening and there would be a big platform and big banners and a big Christmas cake and we would preach the gospel. We would share the love of Jesus and the purpose of that, all the people were there and we were able to tell them the true meaning of Christmas, why we celebrate Christmas, about Jesus and what that meant. And a lot of people got saved at those community Christian celebrations. There were always pastors there from Sudia's ministry so they could do the follow-up and the discipleship with the people that got saved. And we were able to give out clothing, saris for the ladies, these things called dotis, which are kind of... So, so wrong things that the men wear and the old men the older men and we would give out we had some Blytheswood shoe boxes that we were giving out to the children and who they were given to was very carefully organised they were given to the very poorest people in the communities and they were called out by name to receive their gifts so we didn't just have a free for all because um, it was very well organised ok so that's uh, an idea of that now especially like this photograph, this is the street next door to where Sudhir's ministry headquarters is. It's just in the middle of the town. There was a Baptist church being dedicated on Christmas Eve and they couldn't fit everybody into the church so they just took over the street outside the church. Now kind of picture this in the Moody'sburg context. They draped these lights across the street and then they filled the street with two columns of plastic armchair, you know, the plastic chairs with a column down the middle, just like a church, just like this. This was down the middle of the street. And then at, across the street, so no traffic could get past, was a big platform. And we had an amazing Christmas celebration, service, dedication, giving out clothing to the poor, preaching the love of Jesus. And we, we just took over the street. And nobody seems to mind. It's wonderful. <laughs> All the traffic just sort of has to find another way. In fact, on that particular evening, we were, were supposed to go to another church at midnight to do the watch night service with this little church miles away from anywhere. We couldn't get the van out because of all these decorations and things. We, we had to walk miles and hire a little van because we couldn't get our own vehicle out of the street. But, you know, that's life in India. Oh, now this... I just must share this with you. Sudhir works in the red light areas and he has 
women pastors, which they call in India Bible women, and they go. He's got one or two that go specifically into the red light areas to talk to and share the love of Jesus with the girls and the women who work in there. They're in these areas because of um, very, very often not of their own choice. Very often they are almost sold into this kind of slavery, if you like, by their parents who are trying to get money to feed the rest of the family or else they are tricked into or trafficked in. You can imagine the, the kind of scenario. I won't go into detail in front of the kids. But the point is, once they're in this area, they cannot get out. They're trapped. It's like, a sla it's like slavery. It's like bondage, whatever. We, we've got a word for that, haven't we? I can't remember what it is. But anyway, so once these girls receive Christ, become Christians, they want to start a new life. And the only way they can come out is to be literally bought out. And they need some money to um, establish themselves in, the new, in, the, in their new life. Well, we were able to, while I was there, release three girls from this awful, awful work that they have to do. And this was what we call a victory celebration. We had a staff meeting. All the pastors of the ministry came. These three young women were there. Um, they, we we um, gave them a Bible each, we prayed with them and the, the picture is showing one of the girls releasing a dove as a sign of peace. I must say when I've done this before it's always been in the open air but this was actually inside I was a bit concerned about this dove flapping about but they, they seemed pretty tame and they caught them again, they were okay. And um, they were then established into their new life one, one, of our, one of them um, was given money to buy a sewing machine so she could start doing, um, making clothes for a living. Another one, money to set up a little coffee stall on the railway station so she could earn a proper living. And they were so touched and so grateful to be, to be released from this. And here you can see we're just welcoming them into the family of God. And while we were doing this, I just said to Sudhir, do you think you could go and get a bowl of water, please? I just felt I wanted to wash their feet. So I washed the feet of these women. And I tell you what, we were, all of us were tears pouring down our face. It was just such a moving thing and time to just feel God's presence in that place and those girls going out now to a new life. Here are some of the communities that we visited. Um, different categories of people. You know about the caste system in India where there's many, many castes which it fixes, when somebody's born it fixes what their social position is in the pecking order. Well these communities that we go and visit are beneath even the lowest of the caste. They're called outcasts. They're so low in the pecking order they don't even count in the caste system. The Dalits, you've probably heard about, they're called untouchables and our orphan home, which I'll show you some pictures of, are Dalit children. But I found another group that Sudhir's been ministering to called Yanadi and these are even lower. Haven't, did any of you see a recent Channel 4 a couple of programs called Slumming It? It was a chap who went into the big slums in Bombay and he lived with them for a while. It was fascinating. Someone told me about it when I got back and I picked it up on the you know, play it again system on the computer. 
And there they were showing you the people, they call them rag pickers and scavengers. Well, that's what these people are in the countryside. And then we went to this poor urban housing um, community. Again, in that TV program, you saw how they were breaking down the slums and putting them into tower blocks, and it really wasn't a very successful thing to do. But this was an urban housing scheme in Tenali, which is the place where Sudir is. And they looked okay, actually. They, 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 they didn't seem as bad as the ones in Bombay. But there the people had been put into these, urban, into these blocks of flats, and we did a lovely Christmas celebration with them. And then all the old people came afterwards and said, could you help us, please? We are so old and we are so creaky, you know, our knees are so painful that we cannot sit on the ground anymore because we can't get up. We need some benches to sit on outside so we can talk to one another and have some fellowship. And I tell you what, that really spoke to my heart because, you know, I've had problems with my knees and I know what it's like not to be able to get on the floor and get up. So there and then I said, right, we'll do that. We'll make sure you get your benches. And we've done that now. Those benches are, are, are manufactured and are being installed right now. Thirteen concrete benches, one for each block of flats, so the old people can go and sit and talk to one another like they do in the villages. Because in a tower block it's very difficult. Oh, it's gone off. What happened? Has the computer gone off? No, but it's gone to sleep. Has it gone to sleep or is it the light? Oh. Oh no! What do we do? Should we sing a song and let it cool down? Let it cool down. Has it switched off now? Oh dear. We're just getting to the good bit. <laughs> To be continued. To be continued. This is the, not quite the um, advert break. This is the, the praise God break. <laughs> oh my. Jesus, all for Jesus. Yes. Yes, we do.
praise Lord Jesus. Amen. We give you praise. We give you honour. We give you glory. Amen. He's looking hopeful. Good. We just walk through it. Sorry. I tell you, what, I've got something to do while they're just getting that organised. I've got something to present to the church as a gift from India, from Sudia, for your coffee shop. It's. Who would like to receive it on behalf of the church? I don't mind. Who does? We're going to receive it on behalf of the church. This is a beautiful. No, stand there. Stand there. Stand. Just, I'm going to do it properly. Oh. <laughs> so who are you? What's your name? Duncan. Duncan. Hello, Duncan. <laughs> and who do you belong to? Rose and Samson. Oh, <laughs> I wasn't sure. Right, I'm going to present this beautiful rosewood um, box to the church as a gift from Sudia in India. And I just thought it would be lovely in the coffee shop, sitting on the counter. Maybe you could put the staff tips or something in it. Yeah, anyway, so there you are. Isn't it beautiful? That's the deal. Well, that's a couple of minutes, isn't it? Better do it now rather than at the end. It's coming, I can see it happening. Oh, we've got her back, haven't Isn't we? Were you watching the dancing sound <laughs> Oh, excellent. Right, I'll just quickly flick through. Where did we get to? We've done all that. Okay. That's where we were at, weren't we? Yes. And the other one we went to was the leprosy community where we've been supporting for the last 18 months. And last year there were a lot of terrible floods, so we went to some flood-affected areas. Just to show you, this is typical of the kind of houses, and this is a typical sort of village street scene, if you like. Um, this is everywhere I went, this is how people were living. And here we have a particular Dalit village. In fact, it's the village where we were there, called Inavolu. That banner, this is, you'll see a bit more of it in a minute and I'll tell you more about it. This particular village was very badly affected by the floods and um, your church, New Beginnings Church, um, had given, um, had donated some funding and we used that to do a flood relief camp for these people where you can see what we did, food, clothing, but we also had a Sunday service and preached the love of Jesus and spent most of the day with that village. And these people um, are desperately in need of houses. In, in India, in, among the rural villages, the government have a scheme where they'll supply part of the money to build proper concrete houses, but the villagers themselves have to supply the difference. Well, of course, they don't really have any money at all. But what they have got is muscle power and they're, they're prepared to give the labour. So Sudia and Erie Ministries try and raise the money to make up the difference so they can complete the houses and that's what we're trying to do. But I've had a note from Sudia since I got back to say that unless these first, in this house I think there are 48 houses needed because the families are living in these broken down grass huts. And um, the first 23 got started, but then they abandoned them because they didn't have the money. And, and Sudhir's been desperately trying to raise the money for this. But the government have now put a deadline on this and said if they don't get 
the uh, balance of 250 pounds times 23 for the houses that are there by by March the government will pull out altogether and won't give any more so we've we've got quite a bit of it already but we're not quite there yet and I'm trying to get the balance together to send out before I leave for Rwanda which will be in 10 days time but I, I believe in God for that you know this is God's work and I'm just believing God for that money so I'd appreciate your prayers um this was the Yanadi. Remember I told you about the scavengers and the rag pickers? This is their village that we went to. Um, and here, uh, the grown-ups go out all day scavenging through the rubbish heaps, catching rats, doing the disgusting jobs. And the children are just left in the village by themselves. They've got no school, they've got nothing. And Sudhir has been going into that village for a long time, preaching the gospel, taking food, encouraging them, starting up a church, and he's desperately wanting to set up a, a small day centre for the children. There's a church building on the edge of the village which isn't really used much during the day, it's empty, so they could use that. But they need funding again for um, food and to get a, little, get a teacher or a carer in so they can give them some basic education and give them at least two meals a day because they're probably not getting much at all at the moment. So that's something else on our prayer list that we're really praying for. Here's our leprosy community. Uh, we went and had a Christmas celebration with them. I, when I first went there 18 months ago, it was a very depressed area. The people were without hope. They were so rejected and so neglected and so badly treated. And we set up then um, a small medical centre which Eagles Wings has been funding ever since. And uh, so I went back now to see them and I saw a difference. I really did see a difference in the whole demeanour of the people. They're still very poor, they're still very needy, but there was a bit more of a light in their eyes. They're, they're, they're responding to Christ, they're responding to the fact now that we pay for a doctor to go in four days a week. There's a clinic there held there in that village four days a week for the people and um, any extra funding goes towards giving them lentils and rice to help them with their food situation because they can only live by begging. There's no other way for them to earn a living and begging is very difficult when you don't have any fingers. Here's the doctor and um, one of the, uh, there was a, uh, an organization called Natural Therapies. It's just like a little Chiropodist place, beauty, beauty, you know, they do feet and that sort of thing. Well, the woman there is very keen on what I'm doing in India, and she gave me um, a big pack of sterile bandages specifically for the leprosy people. So there am I handing it over and presenting it to the doctor. And here is our Christmas celebration with the leprosy people. They love their Christmas cakes in India. They're big squashy things made of sponge cake, soft icing, and decorated with flowers and candles. And after all, it's Jesus' birthday. We have to have candles. And, um, and there you can see I'm serving food to the leprosy people. And we also sat with them. We sat among them and with them and ate with them as a sign of sisterhood, brotherhood, and, you know, that we don't believe that they're... In, we know they're not infectious and we want to be with them because nobody else would do that. And you see the gentleman on the bottom left. He's got no fingers at all, no fingers or thumbs at all on either hand. And you see how difficult it is for somebody in that position even to eat their food. The flood relief. This is what it looked like a few months ago. This was a picture Sudia sent me a while ago just to show you what it had been like. And we ran two flood relief camps. Um, this one was on Christmas Day. And yours was on 
New Year's Day. So we're busy over the holiday period. There's your banner. And, um, you know, it was just great to go and celebrate with these people. I've got it all written up in the newsletter. You can see more detail. Then we had all the children. Now, some of you here I know are already sponsors for some of our children, and I want to really, really thank those of you who do that regularly because it makes such a difference. Um, our orphan home is the one listed on the top, and I thought that's where I was going, but actually I ended up going to four orphan homes. And we sold some little gift cards before Christmas for, for, for Christmas presents, and I know a lot of people here contributed to that. Well, we did so well with our gift cards, we were able to give a Christmas gift to children in four orphan homes, not just one. How about that? Isn't that just wonderful? They all got a new outfit of clothes. That was just fantastic. I only took ours to the shops to let them choose their own. The rest did get them chosen for them. But that was just out of the kindness and generosity of people before Christmas, buying the little gift cards to put in their Christmas cards. Here we've got some of the gypsy orphans. This gypsy home is, um, is very special because in India um, there is a terrible practice of infanticide for, for, for young girls. I'm not going to go into details, we've got children in the room, but you know what I'm talking about. Um, they, they, so they rescue the girls particularly and some of the boys. And you can just see how beautiful they are and how bright and lovely and they're schooled and then they're given a chance in life. This little girl, a very special little girl called Abigail, she had some awful atrocities committed on her when she was born and then she was chucked away. And this pastor who's holding her is the pastor in charge of the gypsy home and he has adopted her as his daughter. She urgently needs these special hearing aids um, and I went out there knowing that we had a hundred pounds in the kitty towards something that cost a thousand pounds met the little girl, my heart was just touched by her. As with all of them, I mean my heart is just torn to pieces when I go to India, I can tell you. But this little girl particularly, because she's two and three quarters and if she doesn't get her hearing aids by the time she's three, which is in March, she'll never learn to speak. Well, I'm, I just praise God because I've only been back from India less than four weeks. And in that time, just sharing about Abigail to one or two people, I sent the money needed out over a week ago. And that little girl is today in the hospital in Hyderabad being assessed and fitted with her hearing aids. Praise God. You know, this is God's work. And I'm hoping when I go back next Christmas that she'll be running about and talking to me. You know, I'm really looking forward to that day. Now, these are our children. Those of you who are sponsors, here they are. I took them, with, we, we, we were going to, I was going to go up to their home and take them shopping, but the whole state was on strike and there were all sorts of stuff going on. There was a lot of civil unrest when I was there. And the day we were planning to see these children, their town was on strike and all the shops were shut. So they put them on the train and brought them to us. And um, we had a day with them in Tenali. They came to the headquarters, we took them shopping, we gave them lunch, we had some fun with them, and then we sent them back on the train. And here they are shopping. We took them to the shops, and they were all allowed to choose their own outfit. And it was so lovely and funny to see, particularly the little girls, choosing their outfits. The shop assistants would try to say, have that one, have that one. And they go, no, no, I don't like that one. Let me try that one. No, no, don't like that. What about that one? No, no, I don't. It was gorgeous. And that really made it worth it. Um, so there we are. 
This is something else that I, I got uh, to see last time I was in India with a team. They just opened up this shelter for runaway railway children. There's a terrible, there's a terrible phenomenon in India of children who are chucked out of their homes, usually by stepmothers who've married the father and the mother's died and the stepmother doesn't want their first children. It shows them out and they live on the streets. So they're not really orphans, but they are because nobody wants them particularly the boys, and they go and live on the railway stations, on the railway trains, they're jumping on and off moving railway trains, begging for a living, sleeping where they can. They're very wild and very rough. And when I first saw them, they said, there's not much we can do with these kids, but we've opened this shelter. They can come and we'll feed them, we'll clothe them, they can get washed, but then they run away again. We, never, we don't see them. Eighteen months later, I saw a big difference. They're now coming regularly. They are um, they're getting schooling in that place. A lot of them are stay bringing their mats and sleeping there at night, which is much safer for them. So I've seen a big progress there. And we did a Christmas celebration, more cake, more. We gave each of those boys a brand new pair of jeans and a brand new shirt. Oh, they were just so happy. And this was all out of the money that people gave from here, you know? And here are some of the boys. You can get sort of an idea of them. They're just gorgeous. But you can see that, the tall guy, I mean, he's got an artificial limb and there's a lot of that. Some of them don't even have that. They're just on a stick of some sort. And here they are having their Christmas lunch. I'm serving them. I think that's Sudhir saying grace. And then we're serving them with their food. This was me on Christmas Day visiting the old people. And um, you see that building behind them. That They'd been caught in the floods and that building had been flooded right up to the roof and all these old people had to go up onto the roof to save their lives. Well, the floodwaters down and a church down in Nottingham sent some money so they were able to bring the building back to better quality. And these are the prayer warriors for the Erie Ministries, the old people. They run a 24-hour prayer tower they call it and they take it in turns and there's, so there's a constant prayer cover over that ministry and we're giving out blankets and so on to them too. New Year's Eve, um, some people, um, there's some people down in Manchester area who send money regularly every month for old age pensions for the widows, elderly widows in some of the villages so here we are giving out those pensions. These are not old people in the old people's home. These are just widows living on their own in the villages who are very, very hard up. And then we went to Orissa. This was a first for me. You can see this is where we were. We had to go from there up to there. In fact, it was just over the border. It wasn't right into the middle of the state. Um, and that was a very dark place, a very dark place. We set off early in the morning. We took us 11 hours to get there by train. So we arrived in the evening. And as, you got off the, uh, as we got off the train, you could kind of feel the oppression and the darkness. It's a spiritually dark place. It's a very hostile place. You could sense it. There were no Christmas lights. There were a lot of idols and, you know, these temples and hideous sort of creatures depicted in wood and paint and stuff. And you could sense the kind of, I don't know, I can't, I can't explain it, but you sense the spiritual darkness in the place. And then we went to this, this is where we were going, to this place, which is a school for the blind, um, run by this man here. He's the director, and he is actually blind himself. He's a wonderful Christian, godly man who has a real heart 
for um, God and for the children. And these two here were pastors that were caught up in the persecution where all the stuff that went on a year ago. And they were just lovely people. And they've got this little school going. And we, we went there to celebrate Christmas with the blind children. And here they are. They're all girls. It's a girls' school, not a boys' school. And I've already explained what, what happens to gypsy girls. Well, the same thing happens to blind girls. They're just done away with. So they rescue them. And um, they've got them in this school. And they're just gorgeous. Um, they're very, very vulnerable indeed. 60, 60 little girls. Well, up to teenage. And 21 staff. So it's a good staff to pupil ratio there. And here they are celebrating Christmas. This wee soul here, she uh, it was her third birthday, so she's in her party frock. <laughs> we had a special cake for her. And here they are. You can see the Christmas tree. We've got a big Christmas cake there, a big three-tier Christmas cake. And there they are singing and dancing and giving testimonies and praying in English from memory. They were lovely. Then... The other th next thing that we'll find, I'm getting to the end now. These are just all the other things we do. Drinking water ministry. We had um, money to sponsor three bore wells. And there's one Ooh. from New Beginnings. And there were a couple of other churches. One church, another church, and uh, one individual had given us money for a well. So we were able to do that. And it's such a joy to go into a village where they haven't had water for... You know, they've just got no fresh water at all. They have to walk three, four hours a day and get water out of the rivers and ponds. They're not allowed to use the wells that, around them in the other villages because the Hindus will chase them away because they're outcasts. They're untouchable. They're not allowed to draw the water from their wells. So now, Sudhir and his lot, they, they drill a well in a village and then they say, this well is open to all. Anyone can use it. doesn't matter what caste, creed, religion. Everyone is welcome. It's a completely different attitude. And then while I'm there, I find that there are other necessities that make themselves obvious to me. The things that when people are supporting mission, they don't think about things like supporting the need for tires for the vehicles or you know that kind of thing. They're a bit more mundane. But they know when I come, I usually buy a set of tires for the, one of their vehicles because when I get there and I see that they're smooth like an egg, the tires... <laughs> Um, I won't say it's concern for my own safety because I buy them at the end, but um, they they got their tyres. And this little motor scooter as well. And those are just the prayer points, really, that I've put up for us to think about. So I just want to praise God and thank God just to see God's name lifted and just to see the miracles that happen. And I took a certain amount of money with me and I'd done a kind of list as to where I thought it would go and how it would, how it would be used. Well, it just seemed to stretch and stretch and stretch and stretch. It went far further than I budgeted. And in that time, we fed, wait for it, it's very biblical, we fed 5,000 people <laughs> with a hot meal. God fed 5,000 people. And we gave clothing and blankets to 2,000 poor, neglected, destitute, outcast people. Praise God. So I just thank him 
for um, getting me there safely and getting me back. And the final, the final note is, of course, we, the snow happened while I was there, so I didn't know anything about this. So when I got off the plane three hours later, Heathrow, having missed my connection to Scotland, I stepped into the snow wearing my open-toed sandals. Can you imagine how I felt? <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Anyway. <laughs> so that's, that's the story of this journey. And you can see the kind of things that we want prayer for. You know, the orphans always, we're needing prayer cover for the orphans. Orissa, very much, very neglected place. And all the other, all the other things I've told you about. But don't, don't be overwhelmed by it, because I see God's hand at work. And I know if we just step forward in faith... And um, it, it will happen. It will happen. Anyway, thank you for sharing with me. So, I mean, no, I shared with you, but you know what I mean. <laughs> thank you for your contributions, all of you, and your support to this work. Okay. Thank you so much, Hazel. Do you want your pizza? Just be here every minute. <laughs> you want your wires back? I'll just keep your wires there. <laughs> uh, you're, you're going to Rwanda next week? I'm going next a week on Tuesday. A week on Tuesday, yeah. right. For two months. For two months. Yes, I'm going out there and I'm going to be obviously doing work at the um, Alpha Nursery School, which is now a bit more than a nursery school, Mango Tree Church. I'll be teaching for three or four weeks at the Theological College. I'm doing a first year course on mission and culture for the pastors. Second, year, second time I've done that, so it's not quite so daunting as it was last year. I've got a visitor coming out for a week from Norway who helps to fund some of the work there, so I have to take him around and show him what's happening there. And then I've got someone else coming out towards the end who does a lot of work with the deaf, so we'll be concentrating on the deaf for the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Apart from that, oh, and I've got to go to Burundi while I'm there as well, because <laughs> so we're thinking of opening up a new project in Burundi, so I've got to go and scope that out and see what's what. Let me just praise God for Hazel, and, and, and the, this, and let's pray for Hazel as she goes Thank out there. You. you know, God's hand is sustaining. I just love the On Eagles Wings ministry and the verse yeah. that, you know, Lord, as we wait and we trust in God, He yeah. lifts us up in wings like eagles. Let's just commit Hazel to prayer. Father God, we thank you for Hazel, and we thank you for your faithfulness, Lord God, in the mission. We thank you for your compassion and your love for folks in the far reaches of the world, Lord, and your eyes are on them, and you send folks into the field Lord God and we thank you for Mm. your protection over Hazel the blood of Jesus protection we thank you for getting her there safely and safely while she was there and safely back we do pray for Sadir and the team out there Lord God Mm. you continue to bless them protect them and Lord for all the children and families that have been reached there Lord may they be safe in your hands Mm. may they be built up in your love Mm. and find the salvation for their souls Mm. and Father God we do pray for Hazel as she goes to Rwanda that you would continue, God, just to, to, to overshadow her and help her and strengthen her as she trusts in you. And for all of these things, Lord God, we give you thanks for all of the work you have accomplished and continue to accomplish in India. Praise your name, Lord God. Praise your name for all that you're doing. And in Rwanda, Lord, we do pray that you would do marvellous miracles there too. In Jesus' name and for your glory, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you.